While we're dealing with our series this month is the supernatural. Uh, the, uh, the scripture we're using is in Ephesians 3.20. It says, now, And now all glory to God, who is able through his mighty power at work within us to accomplish infinitely more than we can ask or think. And it's because of God's mighty power, as Brother Manny talked about that last week, God's mighty power that's working within us, he's able to do more than we could ever imagine, more than we can even think or imagine. Uh, one of the things when my first granddaughter was born, as she got, started getting older and started talking, uh, my wife would always ask her, and she'd always tell her, hey, Scarlett, how much does grandma love you? And she'd always tell her, as big as the world, you know, as big as the world. And, you know, she's seven years old now, and uh, my wife will still tell her, hey, Scarlett, how much does Grandma love you? And she'll always say, as big as the world. And that's how our God is. Our God's a big God. Our God's a big God. He, he does more than we can ever think. And sometimes we think, oh, we, God can only do this. No, God does way more than that. He does much more than we could even imagine or think. So when we talk about the supernatural, it's a force beyond scientific understanding or the laws of nature. It's something that goes way beyond what the smartest people can even explain or even understand. And when we talk about the supernatural in the spiritual sense, uh, you know, the smartest people in the world can't explain it, so this is why they try to discredit it. But we as a people got to understand that God is a supernatural God. Pastor Dan talked about the super, supernatural plan of God a couple of weeks ago, and then Pastor Manny, I mean, Brother Manny, uh, did the supernatural power of God, which was a great message. So tonight, my, my uh, message, I'm going to speak on is the supernatural peace of God. We're going to look at the supernatural peace of God, because we understand what peace is. It's just, you know, being calm and in tranquility and all that. But we want to go way beyond that. We want to look at the supernatural peace that God has for our lives. The first thing I want to look at is have, having peace with God. See, without Jesus, we thought we were at peace with God. If, you know, before we came to Christ, many of us, we just thought, hey, I'm, you know, I'm good. I, I'm in a right relationship with God. We thought, you know, we were good in good standing with God, you know, because the way we thought and the world thinks about being right with God and being right standing with God is just being a good person. I've heard it so many times that, you know, yeah, how, how, you know I'm a good person. You know, why would God, you know, uh, send me to hell? Why, why can't I get to heaven by just being a good person? You know, if I take care of my family, if I go to work, if I, you know, volunteer, you know, do charity work and help, you know, help puppies, you know, and, and do all these things, and I stay out of trouble, you know, that, that should be good enough. That should allow me to be in a right standing with God. Or so many, like I was, just religious. My family was religious. You know, we'd go to church a couple times a year, usually Easter. Never made it to Christmas because my parents and my family would have a big party at my grandma's house Christmas Eve, so we wouldn't get up for Christmas service. But we'd try to make it a couple times a year. You know, and we thought that was good enough. We thought that our relationship was right with God because we made a religious uh, uh, appearance at church every once in a while. I remember, you know, growing up as kids, every once in a while my parents would feel religious. So we used to go to the church right here up the street on Pioneer. And Saturday nights, they would have confession. You know, they'd have the confession on Saturday night, so my dad would feel religious, my mom would feel religious, so they'd pack us into their hippie van, and we'd go, and we'd go to the church there and do our confession, and we thought that was good enough. We thought that by doing that, we had a right relationship with God. Why? Because we didn't know any better. We really didn't know any better because it was just traditions that were passed on to us. It was just things that, you know, from generation to generation, it says, hey, you just be religious. You just, you know, go to church every once in a while. Uh, you'll be right with God. I remember my parents had this Bible, which was about this big. I mean, how many of you had the Bible in your house like that? It was about this big. It's still in the box, you know. Never took it out, never opened it, but it, was, it looked nice in the box, you know, and it was, that, was, that was the family Bible. But see, we never opened it up. We didn't know the truth. 
We didn't understand the truth. We didn't know what it was to really be in a right relationship with God. And no matter what we did, we couldn't bring ourselves into a right relationship with God because, you know, we were trying to do it on our own way. We tried to do it on our own, on our, our own uh, uh, conditions, but also through the traditions that were passed on to us. And, and we thought this was, we were good with God. In Isaiah chapter 64, it says, all of us have become like one who is unclean. Our, all our righteous acts are like filthy rags. All those good deeds that we think we're doing, all those good acts that we think that we're doing without Christ, he says that it's like filthy rags. He says that we all are shriveled up like a leaf, like a wind, our sins sweep us away. And it's because our sin, it separates us from God. And in Isaiah 59.1, it says, behold, the Lord's hand is not short that he cannot save us. God's hand's not short, God can save us. He says his ear is not deaf, that he cannot hear us. He says, but your iniquities or your sins have made a separation between you and your God, and your sins have hidden his face from you that he does not hear you. And it's what separates from God, he says it's our sins that have made a separation between us and God. It's a sin that we, 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 we before we came to Christ and we didn't repent of it, and it separates us from God. In Proverbs it says that there's a way that seems right to a man, but in the end is the ways of death or destruction. And there are things that, that we think we had right. We thought that the traditions and, and our religious ways and our doing good was right, but he says those ways were just not right. It led, to, it led to a separation from God. In, in Romans uh, 6.23, I read the first part of it. It says, for the wages of sin is death. And it's talking about a spiritual death. It's talking about eternal separation from God. We understand that there's two, in, two final places, which is heaven or hell. And we understand that a relationship with Christ and being in right standing with God, we have the promise of hell. But if we're not going to live a life pleasing to God, if we're not going to accept Christ into our lives, then we have the, the condemnation of hell. And it's because of our unrepented sin, we are not in right standing. We are not in a relationship with God. Paul wrote in Romans, and again, I'm going to read just the first part of it. He says, when we were utterly helpless, other translation says, when we were weak or powerless, when we were separated from God. And he talks in Colossians chapter 1, he says, this includes you who were once far away from God. He says, you were his enemies. He called us his enemies because we were separate from God, because, he says, you were separate from him by your evil thoughts, your evil actions, because of the sin in your life. He says, we were enemies of God because we were separate from God. We were not in right standing with God. In Romans again, he says, while we were God's enemies, again, he's talking about before Christ came into our lives, that we were enemies of God, that we were not in right standing with God. He says that we were God's enemies. And again, it was because of our own righteousness, our own ways that separate us, separate us from God and it made us where we were not at peace with God. We were not in peace with God. And this is where it would take a supernatural act from God to see our sins forgiven. It's a supernatural act from God that brings us into a right relationship with them and frees us from that penalty of sin to bring us to peace or be at peace with God. It's a supernatural act that God did. And it came through sending his only son, Jesus Christ, to be that living sacrifice for us. He says, therefore, we have been made right in God's sight by faith. It was our faith that we came to Jesus and we're made right in the sight of God. We have peace with God. We are at peace with God now because of what Jesus Christ, our Lord, has done for us. It's because of what Jesus did for us now that we can be in peace with God, that we are no longer his enemy, that we are no longer separated from him. Why? Because of Jesus Christ. I read earlier when Paul talked about that when we were utterly helpless, when we were powerless, when we were weak, when we were separated from God, he says Christ 
came at the right time and died for us sinners. When we were separate from God, when we were not in right standing with God, it was Christ who came and died for us sinners. In, in Romans 5, 7, Paul writes, and he says, now most people would not be willing to die for an unrighteous person. He says, not many people are gonna die for someone else. You really think about it. He says, how many in here would say, hey, you know what, you, Brother Eddie, Pastor Eddie, you know, tonight you're gonna have to die for Matt. I think Pastor Eddie's gonna say, I don't think so. No, I'm sorry, Pastor Matt, I love you, but I don't think I'm gonna die for you. And that's what Paul says, that not most, most people would not be willing to die for an upright piece, people. He says, maybe some will die for a, somebody who's especially good, but most of us, you know, we're not gonna die for someone else. And if you think about it, to take it even a further step, who would allow their child to die for someone else, especially someone you call your enemy? Because remember, Paul says, we were enemies of God before Christ. And, and, and how many would say, you know what, I'm gonna let my child die in your place. You have a penalty that you're gonna have to face a death penalty, but you know what, I'm gonna allow my child to go in your place. I don't think any one person would be willing to do that. This is why it's supernatural about what God did. It goes way beyond what the world thinks or understands. It's a supernatural act, and it goes way beyond human understanding. Why? Because in Romans 5, 8, he continues, he says, but God demonstrated his own love for us, that while we were sinners, while we were separated from him, while we were his enemy, he says, Christ died for us. It was the love of God, a supernatural act from God that would send his only son to die for us, to bring us in a right relationship with God, to bring us in peace with God. It was his love for us. We understand John three sixteen. for God so loved the world that he gave his only son. I used to always see those signs before I was saved in football games. They'd have that three sixteen. And Tina was coming to church, and I'd ask her, what does that mean? You know, John 3, 16. So she read it to me. She said, this is what it means. And I'm saying, well, what does that have to do with football? You know, I don't understand. What, is that a special football prayer or something? I don't get it. But it was a witnessing tool, you know, that God loved the world, that he gave his only son. There's not one person in this place would give your life, your child's life for someone else. That's why it's a supernatural act that God did. He gave his son. The wages of sin is death I read earlier, but... The free gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. We have the promise of eternal life. Why? Because now we are at peace with God because Jesus came. And since we have been made right with God in God's sight, we are made right in, right, we are made right in God's sight. Why? By the blood of Christ. It was the blood of Christ that made us right in God's sight. He will certainly save us from God's condemnation. It wasn't our works. It wasn't our self-righteousness, it wasn't our charity work, our, our, our good deeds, it wasn't our religious acts, but it was Jesus Christ that brought peace with us, that brought us back into peace. We have the promise of heaven and don't have to suffer God's wrath because Jesus put us in a right relationship with the Father and he made peace between us. In Romans 5.10, he says, for since our friendship with God was restored by the death of his son, we, when we were still his enemies, think about that, that he brought us back, he restored our friendship, even when we were his God's enemies, we will certainly be saved through the life of his son. See, this is an act that's supernatural. It just, you really think about it, and it, it, it just goes way beyond our thinking that someone would send someone to die for in our place, that they would stand in our place and die for us. This is why we call it a supernatural act with God. The second thing you wanna look at is being at peace with one another. In Romans 12, 18, it says, do all you can 
to live at peace with everyone. He says, do everything you can, everything you can to live at peace with who? With everyone. He didn't say, hey, just live with peace with a couple people that are you know, close to you or live at peace with this side of the church, but not that side. I remember back in the old church, we had the East Wing and the main sanctuary. You know, that was, we were the East Wingers. It says, live at peace with everyone. And it says, do all you can. Make every effort to live at peace with everyone. Why? Because in Romans 12, 4 and 5, it says, just as our bodies have many parts, each part has a special function. It talks about the natural body, that there's many parts of the body, but each part of the body has a function. So it is with the body of Christ. There are many parts of the body. We all have different functions, and we are many parts of that body, and it says we all belong to each other. We are all linked together. We are all one part of the body. In Corinthians, it talks about how the eye can't say to the foot that, you know, I have no part with you. And it needs to understand, he says, this is why I want you to live at peace and make every effort. Do all you can to live at peace with each other. Why? Because you belong to each other. You need to function together. In Ecclesiastes chapter 4, in verse 9, he says, two people are better off than one, for they can help each other succeed. It says two people are good together. They're better together. Why? Because they can help each other succeed. They can be there to promote one another. It's not saying two are better together so it can help you succeed, but it says you can help each other succeed. If one person falls, the other can reach out and help. One stumbles, one struggles, the other one's there to pick them up, lift them up, that they can continue to succeed. But if someone who falls alone, they are in real trouble. When people start to isolate themselves, separate themselves from people, and they find themselves alone, it says they will be in trouble. That's why so it says that two are better than one. Why? So we can help each other succeed, that we can continue to move forward. Likewise, two people laying close together can keep each other warm, but how can one be warm alone? A person standing alone can be attacked and defeated. Someone that's fighting against others, you know, they can be attacked by others and be defeated. He says, but two can stand back to back and conquer. You can stand back to back and to conquer. He says, three are even better. He says, three are even more, for a triple braided cord is not easily broken. It's talking about being bonded together, grouped together, standing back to back, fighting against the enemy. It didn't say facing each other and fighting, fighting because you're going to end up fighting each other. But it says standing back to back so we can fight the enemy. Think about it, it says two are great, three even better, but how about a, the whole house of God joined together? If we were to stand together and fight against the enemy, can you imagine the, the work that could be accomplished? And this is not a natural thing to the, for the world, to see God's people working together, to see God's people in peace with one another. This is something that the world just can't understand. This is just not natural, but it's supernatural. It's a supernatural work of God that brings us in unity, that brings us together to fight together, not against each other, but together to see things take place. See, the world will pay people to work together. You really think about it. The world pays people well to work together. You're giving you a salary. This is your coworkers. You know, now this, these are the assignments. These are the goals that we have as a company. Let's get it accomplished. And they'll pay people to work together, and what happens? They still can't get along. They just don't get along. What's the first thing they say? Well, who's in charge? You know, who's in charge around here? 
Second thing is, and this is the one that, you're not my boss. You're not my boss. You know, I, you know, who are you? And everybody wants to take credit for what's taking place. And this is what happens in the world. Even pay people to work together and it just can't get done. So when we're at peace with one another, you know, the natural world just thinks, well, how in the world can they do it? Why it's a supernatural work from God that brings us together in unity. God brings peace between us. There's unity. And through that, we've seen God bring revival in a church. When you really see that, when you see God's people working together, laboring together, in unity, praying for each other, encouraging each other, you see revival take place, and what happens is it flows into our own lives, it flows into our marriages, it flows into our homes, and it flows into our children's lives. Why? Because we're at peace with one another. The problem is the enemy sees us and he opposes us, and he starts to bring division, tries to bring discord, tries to disrupt the momentum that God's trying to bring to a family, to a church. Mark 3.25 says, if a house divided against itself, it cannot stand. If a house is divided, it, it will not stand. We understand the devil is out to steal, kill, and destroy. He's trying to stop the move of God. He's trying to stop the momentum in churches and families that God is building by dividing us and pitting us against one another. One of the biggest tools that the devil uses is gossip. So when people begin to talk about each other, begin to share things that was told to them in confidence, begins to divide, and worse off, we see families that have the same conflict in their own homes. Uh, someone will say something, and, and it just rips through a home, through a family, through a relationship, through a church. In Proverbs 16, 28, a troublemaker plants seeds of strife. Calls them troublemakers that are planting seeds of division planting seeds of discord, planting seeds to try to separate. It said gossip separates the best of friends. People begin to gossip, others hear about it. All of a sudden, your bestie ain't your bestie no more. I always make fun of, I always tell my wife, I always see people always talking about their bestie, and they got like 20 besties. <laughs> Which one's your bestie? All, all 20 of them. But gossip separates the best of friends. How many relationships have been destroyed because of gossip? Really think about it. how many relationships where people don't even talk to each other no more, whether it be in church or at home, that people don't even talk to each other because it started with a seed that was planted of gossip. Things that probably should have never been said and it just, it just, it, it just ran with, they ran with it. Now people don't even talk to each other anymore. In, in, in uh, Proverbs chapter six, it's the list of the seven things that God hates. So the seven things that God hates, and in verse 19, it says that a false witness who breathes out lies and one who sows discord among the brothers. You can relate that to being a gossip. God hates this. God, it says these are the seven things that God hates, and this is one of them is to be a person that sows discord amongst the brothers and sisters in the house of God, that planting bad seed about someone through gossip, and now it's bringing division by saying things are not even true or, or things that they were told in confidence, and they begin to repeat them to everyone else and say, hey, I shared that with you in confidence. Oh, I was just sharing with them so they could pray with you. No, you were gossiping. See, God hates gossip because he knows the fruit of it. He'll stop a move of God in your home. He'll stop the move of God in, in, in your relationships. He'll stop the move of God in church. When people start to gossip and begin to share about one another. This is in Proverbs 20, verse 19. A gossip betrays confidence. 
when you share with somebody in confidence, man, make sure you're sharing with the right person. Make sure you're prayed up and know that this is a person of good reputation, someone that you can trust and believe in because a gossip will betray that confidence. It says, so avoid anyone who talks too much. There's someone that's always talking too much and sharing everything. I don't think you want to go share something with confidence with them. It says, avoid anyone who talks too much. Someone that's just sowing bad seed, you know, just trying to, to just disrupt what God is doing in families and in homes. It's to stay away from gossips. Be careful when someone wants to, someone else, wants to share with you about someone else. You know, when they come and say, hey, you know what someone told me? Stay away from that. Because it's usually the wrong information anyway. You know, they get the story wrong. The little game you play when you're kids is, you know, you tell something one thing and then you tell the next person and you tell the next person and tell the next person and maybe five or ten people. And the whole story is completely upside down. And that's what gossip is. Someone will say something, but then it goes from this person to that person. Next thing you know, it's like, it's just a, a story that's just not true. And what happens, it just brings discord. It brings division. Again, be careful who you share with. And again, be careful who, who uh, begins to want to share things about others to you. Because it'll affect you. It will. It'll, it'll bring doubt in your mind. It's like, wow, did that really happen? And you find yourself having a different view of that person. You start thinking, wow, I thought that brother, that sister was on fire for God, but this person just told me some stuff about them. And what happens is you find yourself not even wanting to associate with them, staying away from them, distancing yourself from them, and maybe, you know, most of the time the story's not even true. Be careful when people come and try to share or gossip to you. In Romans 14, 19, let us therefore make every effort again every effort to do what leads to peace and mutual edification. We have to make every effort in our life to, to do what leads to peace, but also mutual edification is to lifting up others. To lift up others, we gotta do and make every effort that we are not only bringing peace to others, but also we're lifting up others. It says how good and pleasant it is when God's people live together in unity. What a beautiful thing, God says. How beautiful, how pleasant, how wonderful it is when God's people are in unity, when they're working together, where God looks down and sees the house of God, you know, you know moving forward and, and just serving and loving one another. Same thing in our homes, when God sees unity in our homes with our children and our family. It says, what a good and pleasant and beautiful, wonderful thing to see God's people live in unity. I've had this message done, you know, well back, not a while back, but last week, and you know, I had this part already done, but I really seen it come to pass this last Monday. I mean, I was just blown away, because I already knew this message was done, and I started to see what was taking place, and, and I was like, wow, it's, it's actually happening what I was going to preach on. So what happened Monday is I got a text, it was a group text of seven of us, of some of our pastors, a couple of the brothers, leaders in the church here, and what it was, it was, it was a text message about uh, the safe zone and how we were going to, instead of the 30th, we we're going to do the 31st. So we had already planned on doing it the 30th, so okay, we've got to do this. So um, Pastor Dan kind of said, these are the things we need to do. And there were seven of us on it, and it was like, I kid you not, I was blown away. I was like, wow, I was in awe because it was just one text after another. Okay, this is taken care of. 
Okay, I got this. We'll take care of this. It was talking about, you know, things that needed to be done, you know, getting flyers remade, you know, having the website and social media updated, contacting all the vendors and all the game suppliers, all the things that we needed, the supplies we needed, and everything that needed to take place. And it was like one text after another of all the brothers involved that, you know, yes, this is done. All right, this is taken care of. Are we already taking care of that? That's been taken care of. And I was just like blown away seeing this. And then I don't have an iPhone, but I guess an iPhone you could hit like. Because I kept getting liked, every message was liked, 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 liked. And I was like thinking about this, and I thought of a tug of war. You know, you get the seven men that were on that text message, and you know, we're all like on the one side, you know, against the enemy, and we're all just pulling together, pulling together. Not pulling against each other, not, no, you do it, it's not your job, no, I'm, I want the credit, you know, let Pastor and Richard know I did it, you know, but it was, we were pulling together, pulling together, and I seen men who loved God and who were humbly serving together at peace with each other with the same vision, the same goal of seeing families come to the safe zone, but to come to know Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior. This is only comes through a supernatural act of God's people being at peace with one another. I was, I, when, I was, when I was sitting there, and I was at work, and I was there at my desk, and it was, my phone just kept, and it was like within a two-hour period. That's how fast it happened. It wasn't like, oh, one text here, an hour, and then, you know, four hours later. It was like within like two hours. It was one text after another, 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 and, and, and I was like, and I'm thinking, wow, that just goes so perfect to what the message I was preaching about unity and working together and being at peace with each other and just seeing a supernatural act of God take place. The last thing I want to look at is peace from God. The story in Mark chapter 1 about the demon-possessed man. This is a man who was tormented. He was basically uncontrollable. Put out the city. They chained him up. He would break the chains, make free from the chains. He was just uncontrolled, but he was tormented. It said at night that he would he'd just howl and scream and just cut himself at night. This was just a man that was out of control, a man that just was out without peace. He just, no peace in his life. He was tormented. He was demon-possessed. And Jesus comes along, and he confronts Jesus. And Jesus asks him his name. He says, what's your name? And he says, my name is Legion, because there are many that are within me. There are many, that are, there are many of us. There are many who possessed him. And we see how Jesus delivers him. Jesus sets him free from those evil spirits. Jesus just does a miracle, and this man is set free. And it says that the people from the town heard what happened, and Jesus, what he did is cast out the demons and cast them into some swine, some pigs, where they jumped off the cliff and they all died. And this man was delivered, and it says that the people from the city came to see what happens. In Mark 5, 15, It says, when they came to Jesus, they saw the man who had been possessed by a legion of demons sitting there dressed and in his right mind, and they were afraid. Here was a man who was troubled, a man who was tormented, probably just cast off by his family. We can't deal with you any longer. You know, just get out of here. Go, go live in the caves there. It's a man who was bound without peace. But Jesus Christ came and set him free. He set him free, and as the people came, it says that they saw him sitting there, clothed, not tore up, clothed in his right mind. This man was no longer tormented or troubled, but he's sitting there in peace in his right mind. 
It says that he even wanted to go with Jesus, but Jesus said, no, stay here and tell people what happened because he was in such a right state of mind while because Jesus brought peace to his heart. There are so many in life that suffer from fear, anxiety, loneliness. They're overwhelmed by just, the, 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 just life. They become overwhelmed and, and they find themselves without peace. The world will offer so many different ways to have peace in their lives. I mean, the world will tell you, you know, you can have peace in this way and, you know, the big thing now is prescription drugs or medicinal marijuana, that, that yeah, this is going to bring you peace. Um, you know, the, the, the self-help books are just a big thing. Uh, people find peace in relationships. You know, ungodly counsel. And now there's apps now for you. You can find a counselor uh, through an app. And, I, and it may have your place, but make sure it's somebody that's got godly morals, godly, godly uh, um, insight. You know, they'll listen to TV counselors or, you know, those, you know, with, with their, their podcast uh, that, you know, try to tell them things that will bring them peace, you know, like Dr. Phil. I, I remember my son, my, one of my, the, my son, my oldest son, Bobby, he, he, got, he got a job and he was a drug counselor. He became a drug counselor. He went and got um, certified to become a drug counselor. He was a drug counselor right there in Skid Row. He was, I was, man, I was, I was he, he invited me one day and I was just blown away by w the work he was doing there. I mean, man, the people loved him there. He asked me, can you come barbecue? And I go, yeah, I'll come. And I, man, the people just loved him. But he was there, a drug counselor on uh, Skid Row there. Not on Skid Row, but their office was there, Skid Row. And the Dr. Phil show called his office. He wasn't, but, you know, he, was, he worked there. And they asked him, hey, we need somebody to come. You know, we're, we're going to do a, a story on somebody that's, you know, family that's all messed up and the daughter's on drugs. And, you know, we want a drug tester on the show. Can you send somebody? I said, oh, yeah. So they sent my son. He was all excited. They picked him up in a limousine. You know, he's all sitting in a limo. Doctor, not with Dr. Phil, but the Dr. Phil show sent him a limo, and he's there at the Dr. Phil show. So we're watching the episode. It was like, you know, a few months later. So me and my wife and my boys are there watching it. He, okay, we're going to drug test her because she's, you know, they were arguing the family. And, okay, your daughter's on drugs. We're going to drug test her. And it was so funny. They said, uh, we're going to drug test her now. We're going to have Dr. Robert come out. And Dr. Robert comes out with a doctor's coat, Okay. Doctor's coat. This is my son, Dr. Robert. Man, we just started laughing. Okay, Dr. Robert, he's going to go and uh, drug test her, so he takes her to the back, and he comes back, and he's got a clipboard with his doctor's, doctor's coat on, and it's like, come on, Dr. Phil, let's be real now. So you guys believe in Dr. Phil, man. It's not real. But he's there, and he comes out with a cup, you know, and it's like, okay. And I'm like, dude, why are you walking around with a cup, you know? Yeah, she tested positive for all of it, and we were just laughing. But people believe on these TV shows, and they think this is going to bring them peace. But what happens is that they still, they're left empty, unsatisfied, disappointed, troubled, and many times their life begins to spiral. The platform can come up. In John chapter 14, verse 27, Jesus says, I, Peace I leave with you. He says, My peace I give you. Jesus is talking about the peace that he gives. He says, I do not give you as the world gives. He says, this is not the kind of peace that the world gives, but this is a supernatural peace that leaves you in a right state of mind where you're able to rest. It's through the Holy Spirit that Jesus said, I'm going to leave you peace. Not the peace that the world talks about. Not the kind of Dr. Phil peace or the, the drugs or the, 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 the everything that the world says. But this is the kind of peace I can give you. It's a supernatural peace that will put you in your right mind. Just like the demon-possessed man who was clothed in his right mind because of a supernatural act. 
Jesus continues, he says, don't let your hearts be troubled and don't be afraid. If you find yourself troubled and afraid, you don't need to be troubled and afraid because Jesus says, I will give you my peace. In Psalm 4, 8, in peace, I will die down and sleep for you alone, O Lord, will keep me safe. He says, in peace, I can sleep at night. In peace, you know, I, I can rest. I don't have to worry. don't have to be troubled. Jesus says, don't be troubled. Don't be afraid. You can be at peace. You can rest. In Psalm 85, 8, it says, I listen carefully to what the Lord is saying. He speaks peace to his faithful people. He says, listen carefully to what the Lord is saying. We can listen carefully through a life of prayer. We're getting a hold of God and praying. God will begin to speak to our hearts. God will begin to bring that peace. We can find peace through reading the word of God. We're able to read and study and understand and get insight where God will begin to show us things and bring peace. Psalm 119, 165, those who love your instruction have great peace and do not stumble. God says, be still and know that I am God. We need to love his instruction and we will have great peace and we will not stumble. In 2 Thessalonians chapter 3, verse 16, right at the end, right before 16, it says, Paul's final greeting. So I'll leave you with this last scripture. It says, now may the Lord of peace himself, the Lord of peace himself, who is that? The Prince of Peace, Jesus Christ. May he give you his peace at all times and in every situation. This is Paul's prayer for us, that you would have peace at all times, but also in every situation, knowing why? Because Jesus gave us that supernatural peace. He says, the Lord be with you all. See, God's peace is a supernatural peace. See, the smartest people in the world can't comprehend, comprehend it. They scratch their heads and they say, how can they be at peace with God? How can they be at peace with one another? How can they be at peace in their own lives? But see, we as a people of God who have come to receive Jesus in our lives, who have come and have a relationship from Christ, we know it's a supernatural peace that comes from God. We serve a big God, a God that works in the supernatural. And when it comes to the area of peace, this is something that God also works in the supernatural. Let's bow our heads tonight.